Hello, welcome to Terrace Talk, episode number three. I'm Connor Southwell. Uh, in a different setup again in the fine city, uh, you might be able to see some very jazzy drums behind me there. Nice pink colour. We couldn't quite get yellow and green. I think pink was um, the best we can manage, so hopefully you, you can you can put up with that. Um, you may be able to see two guests alongside me, uh, Billy and Alfie from The Revere. I've got that right, haven't I? Yeah. Yes. 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 I've been practising that in the mirror all Sometimes morning. We so. get it wrong as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> I do, definitely. Don't worry. <laughs> Lovely. So um, let's start, guys, as we always do. We're going to start with some quick-fire questions just to learn more about you guys as fans, first and foremost, and then we'll speak a little bit about music, and then we'll probably go into football. So uh, that's, that's roughly the structure, but we'll see where we go, and uh, hopefully we don't go VAR too early. So, uh, Billy, let's start with you, first and foremost. Um, let's start with where do you sit in the, in the stadium? Uh, I sit in the snake pit, and I sit next to this man over here. Well, that was going to be my next question. Who do yeah. you go to football with? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he, I've started coming with me, start this season officially, but... Um, was kind of nicking the season ticket next to me quite on a regular basis last year. So um, this is the first official season. But yeah, no, uh, sat in the snake pit. I think I f- myself, I used to sit with my dad and that was around the Lambert era when I, when I sat in the snake pit. But um, yeah, I wouldn't sit anywhere else. Lovely. Uh, do you remember your first game? What was that? I don't remember my first game officially. I know I went to two games in the 04-05 season um, where we beat United 2-0 and the Middlesbrough 4-4. So two quite... Decent game. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't a bad choice that my dad made then. But um, yeah, it was, would have been one of those two. I couldn't remember exactly. Uh, who's your favourite? We, we like to go favourite player, but perhaps someone who's a bit not obvious. So not like your Wesley Lands or, or your Grant Holt. Someone who's a bit niche, I suppose. Who, who's your favourite player in that regard? Johnny Elson. Well, it would have been Johnny Elson. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that was yeah what you were asking. But yeah, Johnny Elson. I don't know why. He just... <clears throat> I just, I just love Johnny Elson. I don't know. I think it was because I was like playing football at the time when I was younger as well, and we just like, just I thought I was Johnny Elson. I was nowhere near, but <laughs> we all thought we were yeah, Johnny yeah. Elson. Uh, and then finally, before you uh, go to football, are there any sort of strange pre-match rituals that you have? Any traditions that you have to abide by before a game? Uh, we know some footballers are very superstitious people. Uh, I found out the fans are as well. So, is, is there anything you do before before we've, a game? We kind of thought that we were onto something, uh, <laughs> and obviously. It, kind of crushed terribly on Sunday we thought there was something to do with like the way we like the route we take and if we wear our football shirts load of nonsense really Alfie has to read the um, you have to read the team news tweet out at 2pm I'm not allowed to do it I get shouted at if I do but uh, apart from that no not really I think we thought we were on something but no it's, it's unfortunately not <laughs> lovely right let's go on to you then Alfie uh, a new season ticket holder first and foremost how are you finding it so uh, I've had a season ticket in the same bit just this year however I have been going I, I've been going since the first Lambert season well in the uh, league one my first game of my season ticket was the lovely 7-1 dropping that was a great start I've, I vividly remember going like when Huckabee was there and that kind of era with my dad like one off but that was when I started uh, I then went with like my whole family sat in the range of the Geralds the, uh, the Riverend um, and then last season I went to the Barclay for just one season before going to the Snake Pit so I've kind of had a been passed around quite a lot of the, sta- uh, the stadium. It's nice to sit in a place definitely with a bit more atmosphere now, uh, especially with like the last season. It was phenomenal sitting in the, in the Barclay for that. Um, but yeah, it's it's been tough at times, but it's also been great at times as well. Okay, I'm going to throw in a, a bit of a curveball question yeah. for you, considering that you've you've sat pretty much everywhere in the stadium by the sounds of it, yeah. occupied every single seat. Where's your favourite place to sit? Well, well either way, someone's not going to like me for this answer. <laughs> anyway. Don't say snake fit, you're <laughs> <laughs> I would say purely just because of the season as well, Barclay was fantastic. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've, we've heard a little bit about your pre-match ritual there. Is, is there anything else you do? And uh, No left sock before right or anything like that? The main one is the team news. Yeah. If anyone reads the is team news. Is there any reason got, for that? I don't know. I don't, I don't even know where it started. I think maybe we got always got the spoons, always got a glass yeah. house at the same time. And there's no real like meaning behind it. We just always think that it's going to work, even though we always get like absolutely battered whenever we do it. <laughs> <laughs> so perhaps not so lucky. Um, in, in terms of your first Norwich game, when was that? Do you remember? Uh, that was probably the... The one that I can remember was the, the Colchester one. But like I said, I remember a couple from, I think, the... I want to say 07, 08 season, because I was like seven years old then. So I can't remember exactly the games, but I, said, I remember having like Huckabee shirts and going to a couple of games here and there. But it was really when I started going in the league one, uh, just because it was the only time really you could get a season ticket at that point. And then we'll ask you who, who your favourite, perhaps non obvious Norwich City player is. is. Is there someone that you have an affection for that perhaps people wouldn't expect? Uh, I'd probably say uh, Pilkington. Okay. Right. Now, he was, he was one of those players where. On the surface, he looked bang average, but he just always had that, you know, as a winger. I played a little bit as a winger when I was, like, like playing youth football. And I guess, yeah, you know, think moments like the Man United header and stuff like that. He was just uh, someone you could always rely on. And he'd come back a couple of times to Carroll and even haunted us then and scored against us a couple of times, but I remember. Cool, I really like that. Um, let's move on then. You, you guys are... Obviously, in a band. That's why we're in this room here. You've invited us into your rehearsal space, which is uh, very kind of you. Really appreciate it. It's nice to um, be in here as someone who has no musical talent whatsoever. I feel a bit out of place. Um, just talk to us a little bit about your band then. When, when did you guys form first and foremost? Well, um, we've been friends for, for years. We were kind of best friends initially. Um, Alfie's brother Cam is on the drums, so that's kind of how Alfie got roped into it. But I think probably we've been rehearsing about two years now, I'd say. Uh-huh. Um, we had our first gig in April, kind of been playing around Norwich. Um, like we um, played at the Longcombe Norwich live event, uh, played a gig in London, so we released a single. So we're kind of just like, yeah, working our way, trying to build out of Norwich a little bit. But um, yeah, first gig was in April, but we're in, we've been rehearsing a long time before that, for sure. Let's, uh, let's talk to a little bit about that Longcombe Norwich event. I won't ask Alfie, because as you said, he, he, was, he wasn't there. Um, how nice was that for you to combine almost the two passions of, of football and music and to people who, I suppose, are, are on your page in, in, in terms of supporting Norwich City and, and liking music as well? Yeah, I think if you would have said to me at the start of the year that you'd play at Cow Road, I probably <laughs> wouldn't, have, wouldn't have believed you. But um, no, that was, that was so much fun. It was... a it was a weird balance um, because obviously very few people there knew us apart from my dad. <laughs> uh, but so you, we kind of had to gauge that right in terms of playing. We wanted to play our own songs to, you know, kind of spread the word a little bit. We also wanted to play a few covers um, to get people singing and stuff um, to try, yeah, to just try and make sure that, you know, there was something for everyone there. But um, no, I, no they, it was such an enjoyable event. Obviously, the work that Long Come Notch do has been uh, pivotal to the last few years, um, the success that we've had in the last few years. So, yeah, no, I'd, I'd do, it, do it every day if I could. It was, it was so enjoyable. Well, perhaps I need to arrange another one. Yeah. <laughs> Norwich need a win. Um, Alfie, just, just talk to us a little bit about what your style of music is. Um, perhaps, I don't know, is, is there a band that you'd compare yourself to? That's quite a lazy question. Oh. But, um, but I suppose to give people an idea of, of the sort of music that you guys play. Uh, it's definitely like that kind of indie alternative. Um, it, it depends really on what, what songs you listen to as well. Because I think like the, the thing we kind of try to do as well, we, have, we all listen to like very similar kind of music. 
uh, from like different eras, different like decades. What you'll probably learn about me is is that I'm like the least musically enthused person, just because I kind of got thrown into it. Because we're all great mates, and I, I always loved music, but I never had any ability. Um, hence why I'm a bassist. Um, but in terms of like bands we compare ourselves to, I mean, you've got early Stereophonic. Some people have said yeah, you've got. I don't know. It depends because there's people that there's bands that um, people say we sound like, but we might not necessarily have heard of them or, or, or emulate that. I think we could probably all agree that like the Smiths and the Strokes, they're the two kind of bands that, that we that we all listen to. But it's worth knowing that Alfie didn't actually play bass, so like we needed a bassist. <laughs> um, and Alfie was like... Wow. I, I kinda, I, <laughs> you were willing. That, I, was, yeah. that was it. I had, to go around, I had to go around us a few times and teach him how to play it, but um, we'd rather that than... We'd rather have one of our friends in the band than... Or brother in Cam's case than a than, than a stranger for yeah. sure. I, I think the height of my musical talents has been able to play the recorder in primary school. That's I think be, 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 on, <laughs> be, be on that no ability at all. Um, let's come on to football then. Uh, first and foremost, we're, I presume you were both there on Sunday. Um, Alfie, first of all, for you, what have you taken away from from that game? We're sitting here on Wednesday, so had a little bit of time to to think about it. How, how do you reflect on it? Are you, are you concerned by what you saw on Sunday? It's really weird. I think the only concerns I'd have is that even when we were losing like early on in the season, you know, I went like Burnley, Palace and places like that. The the problem is, is we didn't look like we were playing our kind of brand of football. Um, and that was the only thing that kind of made me worry a little bit. I still think, and we talked about this a lot when we were walking back, me and Bill, um, about, you know, it's a weird kind of dynamic because Fark has done so unbelievable. You almost... At one point, you don't want that kind of manager change around to cross your mind, and I, I definitely think like that is the last thing we should do. But because we're losing games, it's like, well, what do you put it down to? Do you blame the manager? What do you blame? Um, I think it was a very weird game to watch, especially with the VAR calls. Something I've never experienced before. Uh, almost comical sometimes when you're almost waiting for a penalty to be given. Um, and then to save it and still lose, it was a bit of a, a really weird kind of game to, to attend. Um, I've definitely had time to calm down, yeah. uh, but I just can't put my finger on really what went wrong. I, I, I'm really unsure. Yeah, me and uh, Tony, who's, who's sat behind the camera at the moment, are having a conversation on the way here in, in terms of how fans are sort of feeling at the moment. And for you, does it feel quite resigned? There are a lot of people who almost are licking their wounds a little bit, given all the troubles they've had with injury, recent results... Um, I think after that Manchester City game, everything felt so high. And after that, it's almost been a little bit of a, a void. And perhaps people's, um, maybe their mood, yeah, maybe their mood, maybe their expectations have come down slightly. Is that something that, that you agree with? Yeah, I think um, myself included, I think everybody was a little bit too optimistic going into the Man United game. Um, they were coming off the back of a really good performance against Liverpool and, and a win in Europe as well. So... I think we kind of thought that, well, if we can beat Man City, we can beat Man United. I'm getting a little bit bored of repeating the Man City game um, because I think it was a one-off. But I think we just have have to be realistic and losing 3-1 at home to Manchester United when you're Norwich City and you've spent £750,000, it's not the worst result in the middle. The performance, you can talk about that, it wasn't great. But what else? I'm not really sure what else people expected. Did people think we were going to, you know conjure up another miracle and, and get a result there because um, that's what it would have been you know this is Manchester United we're talking about this is their 14th from the well they were 14th from the around there on the table still one of the best teams in, in, in the country and uh, I'm not too concerned personally 
Um, it wasn't the greatest atmosphere, saying that I didn't think the players took... So, for example, you've got the, the two penalty saves. I felt like that was probably the time when the crowd peaked in terms of atmosphere. Didn't really feel like the players used that to their advantage, um, which was a shame, because I think if we were going to get into that game, it was going to be after those two moments. I think you hit upon a, a few good points there. First and foremost, in terms of that Manchester United team, and uh, obviously the, the media have been talking about them in, in great depth because of their start to the season and all of the pressure on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. As you rightly said, they got a, a fairly impressive result against Liverpool, given uh, obviously how well Liverpool have done. I think they're, they're the first team to, to stop Liverpool getting three points in a Premier League game this season. But even when you look at their side, and, and that, particularly that front three in terms of Martial, Rashford and James, that's pretty terrifying for any Premier League side. Yeah, no, it is. And especially the way we play as well. You know, it's, it's no secret now we like to get the wing-backs forward and, and that does leave the, the centre-backs exposed. And we play such a high defensive line that you're kind of relying on Leitner and McLean and, OK, maybe not Teddy, but to keep the ball. Because if we give it away and you've got Rashford running in behind you, it's so only take one pass and you saw the control for the, the second goal. Um, it's world-class. You know, that just doesn't happen in the league below that we're playing last season. And... If you give teams that space and with those type of players, it's only going to end up in one result and, and, and that's in a loss, unfortunately. What do you, what do you make of uh, the midfield at the moment? That, that seems to be the, the area where, where people are talking about perhaps Norwich not really being able to find that balance between the defensive side of the game they showed at Bournemouth, which was so impressive, and actually getting players close to Timu Puki because he seemed quite isolated on Sunday. What, what do you make of that area of the pitch? I think it's... it's... It's the one thing at the moment which is maybe stopping us because I feel like fullbacks defensively at the moment, it's not terrible in terms of when you see the lineup come out, it's definitely like Amadou has, you know, been a revelation compared to because uh, we weren't through that kind of tricky period for a couple of games where even when he first came in, where there was maybe some issues, but I feel that they have defensively solid games. It's just in the midfield at the moment, we can't figure out what's going to get us that, you know, the points. And I think the the, the first time in a long while was the Bournemouth uh, away where you got Tribal come into the midfield. And I think going off that, I'd definitely like to see that a bit more. I think it doesn't help that we've been so, uh, again, injury prone. I hate bringing it back to that, but you've got players like Vrancic still, which hadn't even kicked the ball this season, which were so instrumental off the bench and even like starting last season as well. Um, and when you've got those kind of players... You know, not available. That definitely does make a big difference. I will say, in terms of with the United, uh, I think I, I still think no matter what midfield that was in there, the way they pressed us, the way they were just absolutely like hounding us down. I don't, I, you know, you, you've got to then look at that and say, did we even have the quality to overcome that? Even if we had a Vrancic, for example, in there, um, I think it's more so against like the lower end teams, like your Burnley's, your Palaces, your Bournemouths where your midfield has got to be in there and winning you the game, winning you the ball back so we can play our kind of expansive football. At the minute, we haven't found that balance, like you say. Do you think the concern amongst supporters at the moment, not necessarily is that Manchester United performance, because as much as we can sit here and, and talk about perhaps all the areas that Norwich got wrong, it is still Manchester United. It is still, I mean, they've got so much individual talent on there, whether they've almost been sewn together as a team or not is kind of irrelevant because they've got quality in there. Does that performance, is that performance, I suppose, um, making people more concerned given the performances that sort of came before it? And I'm thinking the Burnley game, the Palace game, um, and, and I suppose the Bournemouth game as well to some extent. Um, do those games make you, make you more worried about this performance, I suppose? Because um, it's easy to look at things in isolation, but obviously Norwich haven't won a game in five now. Um, in a run where people were sort of looking at 
them really sort of getting their first points of the season? I think, it, again, it all comes back to the, the fact that we've beat the champions. We then almost have this feeling that no matter what, if it's a top six or a, or a bottom six team, we should be beating them. We should be, you know, making Carroll a fortress. Um, and I think, again, it did kind of make that, that false sense uh, or that false sense of security that, OK, no matter who comes down, if we play our game, we can beat them. Um, and I think, you know, you look back at the reason why we're such a yo-yo club, especially, is because we've never been able to crack the balance of, you know, actually staying in the Premier League. Um, and I think it's the fact that, you know, you've got to be beating your teams closer to you. So like, they're the ones where, you know, when, when we turn up to, say, Burnley away and we really don't offer anything... Um, that's where I'm a bit more concerned. I think teams like United and your Chelsea, if you get a point, amazing. Like, you know, you're over the moon, especially three against a team like Man City. But it's more so the fact that we are really struggling against the teams close to us. Uh, and at the end of the season, that's where those points are really going to show the difference. And as much as we sit here and talk about concern, I don't know about you guys, but for me, there were two real highlights, I suppose, from, from Sunday's performance, um, them being Tim Krul and Onel Hernandez. So, so let's start with Tim Krul, first of all. I mean, where else to start with those two penalty saves? Yeah, I think we've got Louis van Gaal to thank for that, haven't we? Because, um, yeah, it was, it was quite remarkable. And, and that's where Tim Krul thrives, especially at the Barkley. You know, he, he's a very... Um, he's that type of player that likes to be riled up a little bit, doesn't he? And, um, you know, he's trying to get the Barkley on his side and, and that's when he's, where he's in his element. And I think... You've got to say there's probably not another keeper you'd prefer to have in that position. Um, you know, considering it was only a few months ago we were talking about is that an area where you know Farman's going to come in? And I was kind, of, I was always kind of adamant that that Krul was the man. I think you know it was just about getting him. You know, we we saw towards especially this um, the latter end of last season just what a, you know, top goalkeeper he is, and we're seeing that again this year. Um, free transfers. It's almost as good as, as Team Peak. I think Stuart Weber said that Tim Krul is actually his best ever signing, and I. I don't, I don't think you can argue with that just because of the consistency that, that he's showing at the moment and um, when he doesn't play we, you know, we look a different side really. It's interesting because as much as we talk about his goalkeeping ability we, we seem to talk about his presence and his communication skills particularly with what is a, a young back four um, and as you quite rightly said there in, in terms of influence he's got a major impact on, on this Norwich City side and as again as, as you said the fact that Norwich City supporters were, were talking about perhaps who was going to be that number one going into this season seems a little bit crazy now judging by his performances so far. Yeah and especially because I think if you look at Farman maybe it was a slightly similar situation to Krull uh, prior to it him joining Norwich where he wasn't playing football he was kind of out of favour and stuff and if Farman was ever going to come in and, and cement a place he was going to need kind of five or ten games to really find his, his, his fitness and I never really felt like Farman was going to be able to do that on a, on a season alone I felt like he might need a little bit more time and, and we all know Farker doesn't tend to, to favour lone players he likes players that he, he knows he can develop and, uh, and work on um, but yeah cool yeah probably yeah certainly man the match um, like, uh, on Sunday and I don't think that's the last time we'll be saying that this season Yeah probably prevented that scoreline being a, a, a lot worse than it was we're, we're just praying that his, uh, his injury isn't as bad as, as perhaps some are fearing at the moment and talk of an ACL injury is, uh, is just uh, caution and, and that he does come through okay um, let's talk about the second man then Onel Hernandez uh, someone who himself has struggled with injuries amongst pretty much everyone else in this Norris City side to be honest um, just Let's, let's talk about his influence first and foremost because uh, in recent weeks there's an argument to say Norwich have lacked someone who's, who's been direct and, and had a bit of pace and he certainly brought that in abundance when he came on. I think w when you think about teams, uh, like especially last season, our, our front four, when you've got players like Hernandez, he just gives a different dynamic, different element. You know, He's someone who's so fast, 
so tricky, so skillful. And his main aim is to get the ball run forward and you know play balls into Puki, Buendia, Cantwell or Steeperman, whoever's is playing in that number ten role. Um, and I think it, the only thing that went against him was the fact that he was up against Juan Bissaka on the weekend, who was probably at the game of his career. He was yeah, I agree. I was I was saying at the time I I almost. If I was Daniel Farker, I'd favour him on the right side against Ashley Young. That was the only thing, especially when he was on a yellow card as well in that second half. Um, but look, you've got to trust Farker with that one, right? Um, I think one of the things is is that he's so determined. You know, you saw it with his with his goal. I mean, he must have run through. There was this, you know they all clubbed together. There's probably four United players in there. Manages to get his way through, and it was a terrific finish. And I think he's been something we've been missing, especially against the teams that maybe don't have the quality in that, that fullback areas to stop him. You know, he can, as seen last season, he can run through most teams. And he's he's not always the most clinical player, but he's definitely, if you give him the chance uh, or a couple of chances, he will take one or two of those chances. Um, and I think that's honestly what we've been missing at the moment with the current setup. We just haven't got anyone who really possesses that pace uh, apart from our fullbacks when they push up. That's what makes him so exciting, I suppose. He's different, isn't he, to the likes of Emi Buendia who, and, and Todd Campwell, who are exciting in their own ways, but, but don't possess that pace. And obviously to become the first Cuban to score in the Premier League must have been a, a really proud mo- moment for him, I assume. Um, and, and we kind of saw it at Bournemouth, where Norwich had those almost opportunities to counter-attack and just couldn't bring the ball forward with enough pace and with enough energy to really make those opportunities count. And I suppose in honour Hernandez, they'll be looking for, for him to almost inject something different into this Norwich team as, as you said earlier on I think as well is you know especially in that times in that game to, to really get the fans off their seat as well he is that perfect player when he gets running at a defender you just know that nine times out of ten he's going to hopefully beat that defender and create an opportunity whereas I feel like sometimes and it's just the way that we play like Todd has had an unbelievable season but to ask him to do the same kind of role as Hernandez was it's never going to happen right so that's much more he's like a, a player suited for that kind of like that story build up or that you know playing the ball inside and then kind of going from there whereas Hernandez is the only player in our squad that really I would cast him as someone who can get someone off the off their seat to to really kind of get, get a move going especially like I say counter-attack wise he's the only one that's fast enough to get down the wing inside <laughs> absolutely right uh, we've gone about 20 minutes without Mentioned, well, you mentioned it once, Alfie, yeah. but VAR, um, we're going to have to talk about it. it. It kind of feels like it's gone from injuries to VAR. Uh, hopefully next week we'll get to talk about something different. Um, as supporters, what, how did you feel it, it was applied on Sunday? Because I think the general consensus is, is a bit of frustration about the current application of, of how it's being used. Yeah, I mean, Norfolk people don't like change, so I don't think they're ever <laughs> going to react well to VAR. But me personally... Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I'm still a little bit undecided. Uh, I think, obviously, the way it's used isn't brilliant. But then again, it's the first season that, that they've been using it. I don't really like this idea of the threshold seems to have dramatically changed over like the international break, which makes it a little bit unfair for me um, because you know what something that was OK last week all of a sudden isn't OK. But I think um, in terms of the application, I, I liked... When it, you know, the the use of the um, PA system and stuff, although it could have probably been a little bit more, it could have been used a little bit more frequently, I think, and we could have had a little bit more information. But I mean, when the referee's doing that, you kind of know what's going on as a fan. So I don't know. I think it's it's maybe been blown a little bit out of proportion. Interesting. Um, DA and VAR stands for assistant. What what are your thoughts on that? Was did you feel it tried to re-referee the game and didn't let the referee make the final decision? What, what are your thoughts? <coughs> 
I, I still think the way that the Premier League's opted to do it, where the referee doesn't have a second chance to go and look back at it, if they did make that decision, is completely wrong. I mean, the amount of times... I, I mean, for the first decision, the, the referee got it absolutely perfect, spot on. Um, uh, and I know it's probably not, but even I, I sat there after, and you, you can so clearly see people, you know, Tim Cole come off his line, a little bit of you almost go as well, as he just kind of ignored that one. Um, I think it's a bit of a sucker punch for a referee. Uh, it's there to support them. Um, however, I don't feel like they get the second chance to actually go, hey, I made a mistake there. I think maybe we should uh, actually rule that out or give a penalty or whatever it might be. Um, and I also think as well, like you see it when it works the best, it's, you know, sports like cricket, uh, cricket, 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 uh, and rugby, <laughs> there we are, um, where you get, I know, I know it's a completely different sport, right? But you, you've got appeals and, you know, it's, it's broadcasted live on screen to the, the supporters in the stadium. I feel like once they start to enrol that, and again, we're in the first demo of it, the first season, that's when really it will start to show how useful it can be because it is there for the better. It's just right now it should be set up slightly different. Cool. Uh, finally on VAR, and then we'll, we'll look ahead to Brighton. I don't want to dwell too much on, on VAR because uh, I think everything that's been said about it across the, the past week is, is probably enough for people to go and find and, and uh, discover at their own leisure. But intrigued to know from both of your perspectives really um, as supporters what you'd like to see introduced changed adapted it might be nothing but in, in terms to improve VAR for the supporters experience because a lot of the frustrations at the moment seems to be that people are of the opinion that it's geared more towards people who are watching on their televisions at home as opposed to those in the stadium yeah and I think a really good example of when it was used correctly was maybe just a few days before the, on the Friday night game with Leicester and Southampton um I was watching that and they actually showed that on the big screen, the, the Ryan Bertrand tackle, and, and we didn't seem to get any of that. I'd quite like that to be introduced a little bit more, um, more communication over the PA. And I think, uh, I'm, I think I'm right in saying that there's actually nothing in the, the rules to say that referees can't go over to the screen, to the, the monitor, sorry, on the side of the pitch. So I'd like to see them do that a little bit more, just so kind of the referees aren't just stood there twiddling their thumbs. They'd be like, you know, why can't they just go over? And if we can get up on our phones, why can't they kind of go over to the monitor and, and use that? I think that's what I'd like to see anyway. Interesting. From your perspective? Um, I think the big things for me would be showing it uh, as they go through it on the monitor um, and also micing up the referees. I think that's inevitable. You need to be able to hear the reasoning behind why those decisions are being given. You know, For that penalty, you want to hear why they feel like that is a penalty. Whereas at the moment, it's just a case of you know, someone in a room is going, yeah, it's a pen. And I think, that's sorry, it. just to interrupt on that, I think... When it was used in the Southampton game, Sky Sports mentioned that there was kind of a gasp when they saw the Ryan Bertrand tackle live on screen, and that kind of takes that eliminates any doubt, then doesn't it? And the Ryan Bertrand one was a little bit more clear cut than than the Ben Godfrey and the Todd Cantwell one, but it just reassures fans that everybody knows what's going on. And I think if you can, you, like Alf said, if you can use it, you know, replicate what they're, um, they should be seeing on the monitor on the big screen, then I think that just make, improves the experience for everyone. I think that's it. That's, uh, that's kind of the frustration with VAR at the moment. It's almost a computer says no, isn't it? And you don't understand why, why that's the case. Um, let's look ahead to Brighton very, very quickly then. Um, let's start with, with you, Alfie. Uh, what, what are you hoping to see? How, how are you hoping Norwich approach the game? I'm hoping that we approach it similar to the Bournemouth game away from home. I'd like to see Tribal come into the midfield. Um, the, the tricky thing is, is then do you want Tribal and Tete? How do you go back? Because Tete was... For, in terms of his play ratings goes, he was one of the better players against Manchester United. There's no kind of doubting that. Um, and I know it's quite a defensive setup, but at the moment, obviously, for whatever reason, whenever we try, maybe a Lightner or McLean, it just isn't working. Um, I think, like with any away game, you've got to be 
really looking for just a point out of it. Um, something just to break that streak of losses. Um, I know obviously we, we drew at Bournemouth, but something just to bring a bit more positivity back. Of course, if you can grab a win, that's fantastic, but you've got to be realistic here. This is Brighton. They're, they're really good at home. Uh, Graham Potter, who we saw in the Championship last season with Swansea, plays some phenomenal football out of the back. Um, and it's going to be a really, really tough game. But it's the games against these teams at the low end of the, section, uh, the table where you're going to be, where they really, really count. Um, so I can hope for a point, but at the end of the day... It's down to the boys on, on Saturday. It's that mini league, isn't it? That, that mini league and, and Norwich will be looking at this one as one that they can perhaps get points on the road from. Um, how would you like to see them go about it? Are you, are you in agreement? Yeah, I mean, I think O'Neill obviously is an obvious, obvious addition. Um, I, I'm not sure how far Vrancic is into his kind of fitness. We haven't seen him on the bench yet, but that's a player that I'd like to see. But yeah, tribal for Leitner for me. I think Leitner... He's too passive in games at the minute, and I don't really see what he brings, especially away from home. Um, the amount of times kind of McLean was bypassing him on, on Sunday was ridiculous, really. But yeah, I'd like to see maybe Tribal and Lono come in. Um, and like Half says, if we can get a point, you've got to take that at this stage. Cool. And then uh, finally, tell us a little bit more about what you've got coming up. Where can people find you? Um, so at the Revere Band, across all social medias, um, we've got a headline gig coming up on the 6th of December, and there should be a new single coming out around then. So uh, yeah. Follow us on social media and uh, you'll be able to keep up to date with everything there. Lovely. Billy, Alfie, thank you very much. Thank you very much for hosting us in your, your lovely rehearsal room. Um, look forward to seeing more, hearing more from you guys. And of course, if you do ever need a recorder player, then uh, you, you know <laughs> where I am. <laughs> Uh, so there we go that's that's this week's Terrace Talk episode 3 uh, thank you very much for watching listening downloading uh, if you are watching on YouTube make sure you uh, you leave a like uh, subscribe and let us know your Brighton 11 because uh, that's a really interesting topic at the moment how does Norwich find that balance in midfield but from us here that's about it thank you very much for watching and we'll see you next week